all. Today I'm joined by Dan Bourne, who is the lead guitarist of the British melodic metal band Monument. And he also has his own side project and album coming out soon, which we will discuss more in a little bit. I'm excited to have metal representation from another country today. And hopefully you'll be able to understand my Australianisms a little bit more. So welcome, Dan. Yes. Hi. Hi, Jen. Nice to see you. So maybe for everyone listening, let's just give like a little bit of a, I mean, I'm really challenging. You can't really talk about British metal in like a few moments, but what is the metal <laughs> scene like over in Europe and in England at the moment? Oh, that's an interesting one. I mean, England particularly is kind of takes a lot after the States at the moment. I think it's kind of I don't want to say trendy, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of that gent culture and metalcore and a big, a big yeah. emo revival and stuff. And, and and the things that tend to go like I call it pop metal because I'm an old man and, you know, I don't know what the kids are calling it these days. Um, but, you know, we you know, what I do is kind of more of an old school traditional kind of thing. And so, you know, I'm my mom's English and my dad's German. So I've always kind of had those two influences and, and Germany's a lot more you know, has kind of a, a stronger heavy metal, like, you know, quote unquote, heavy metal base and, and power metal and, and thrash and these kind of things. So I think it's, I think Europe in general is very diverse that way, which, which I really like and, and, and Central Europe especially isn't kind of, doesn't follow trends as much. So kind of things tend to last and there's a lot of like variety. Um, but yeah, I think there's a definite culture that that sounds, you know, there's a, there's a definite sound to Europe that's, and, and the UK particularly, that's different from the American sound, let's say, um, and is more, I don't know how you would describe it. It, it. You know, I don't, anything I could say would make it seem like I'm, you know, kind of, yeah. like I prefer that to the American sound. Like I love the American sound, but the British sound is kind of, is raw and it's organic and it yeah. has all this, all this folky feeling to it almost you know what I mean like yeah. it has yeah. and so I know Monument hasn't been too active at the moment but for those listening who might not have heard of you guys can you explain a little bit about Monument? Mo monument is kind of as the name suggests it's kind of a, a monument to a lot of the great like British bands that were around in the 70s and 80s and it kind of like that culture kind of died out we don't really know why you know there's not many bands like that coming out of the UK at the moment and of course it's all down to the industry and, and things being tougher than they used to be in the 80s and all this kind of stuff but but we do we do new wave of British heavy metal with a very modern kind of twist with a modern sound and modern production and and modern drum tones and guitar tones and all this kind of stuff but but the songwriting itself is is very traditionally British, very, you know, Thin Lizzy, Maiden, Deep Purple, Priest, Saxon, all these kind of bands that we grew up with and still love. So yeah, it's it's a lot of harmonized guitars, a lot of melodic guitars, uh, tons of solos and, and lots of fast songs and That's the odd ballad stuff. thrown in there. But it's but it's big vocals and and epic choruses and that kind of feel good music, yeah, you know? <laughs> love it. Man, yeah. I can't wait to see. I know you guys played Bloodstock a while. I would love to have seen a festival yeah. like that. We just don't have that. Not to say that we don't have festivals here, but to that scale, I guess it's one of the things the Southern Hemisphere kind of I feel. <laughs> misses out on yeah a bit, yeah so. it's like what do you what do you what do you guys do in australia you know what like, i mean do you have to head over to india to to see a massive anyway. festival well or, i yeah. spent a lot of my time in the states for that reason like you know, oh yeah yeah i, I go over that. there hiking and like oh i remember when tool announced their tour oh so lucky i mean what they hadn't released an album in like i don't know 15 13 years or something yeah it was and i happened time, to be it? like yeah. 
hiking around Wyoming and I changed my whole tour so that I could go to Los Angeles and see them because I thought they won't come to Australia for like another two years or like mm. whatever. Mm. So, yeah. And I'm excited. You've got your own solo stuff coming out, don't you, soon in May? So let's talk mm-hmm. about that. So what have you been working cool. on? What's the style? Um, so it's I, I'm putting out this album. It's called Lost Sanctuary and it's kind of kind of a summarize a summary a summary there we go of uh, of my experiences from the last kind of five years or something I'd say and and it's something that when Monument decided to kind of go on hiatus in 2019 or so I kind of went now is the time to do this and it was something I was thinking about for a long time and it's definitely it's a lot more modern than Monument it's kind of it has a lot of thrash influences a lot of influences from from my youth you know which is kind of late 90s, early 2000s kind of stuff, which I suppose by now counts as old school as well. I guess we are. You know what I mean? But (laughs) yeah, this is it. But um, yeah, no, and and I just wanted to do something in in a slightly different format where, you know, Monument and other bands I've been involved with, they very much had one thing and they did that, you know. And I just wanted to be a bit freer about it. And I got a bunch of guests involved. I have a bunch of guest vocalists on the album. Like I, I sing a few numbers, but but most of them are like uh, friends who I know from the industry and who I've known for some of them 10 years, you know, and we've never gotten to work together. And you always say, oh, it'd be great to work together. But, you know, it's kind of this thing where you see each other at festivals and you say hi, bye, and, and it's kind of ships in the night type of thing, you know. So it was really nice to be able to, to do that kind of collaborative thing with with a lot of these people as well. So, um, and yeah, I, I would I would argue that for me, it's, it's a lot more of a personal record, you know, not just about, not just in terms of, um, the the lyrical content and kind of things that I you know wear on my sleeve that I used to not (laughs) but also just the sound in general is more honestly like what I like what I want to do and and it's kind of less about oh this is for you know x market or whatever you know we've got the creative control now yeah yeah, exactly yeah Yeah. absolutely which we all like our own creative control as a writer i'm like i don't want to write for this i want to do my own stuff um i don't know how do you find i mean i i like both roles to be honest i kind of i can i can easily go and play for somebody else and yeah where the hierarchy is very clear and it's like okay you tell me you tell me what to wear on what to play and that works for me too but it's really i like the balance yeah. i like to have one thing True. that is like my thing and i call the shots you know what i mean so I think, yeah yeah i guess inherently i'm a bit of a rule follower and structure so when someone's telling me what to do i guess i find that easier to get the deadlines and stuff whereas mm. when i have my own mm. creativity i can kind of be a bit wayward and a bit uh, procrastinating to actually, I kind of feel like, oh, when I'm in the flow, I'm really good, but then mm. I'll have huge periods of not mm. completing like that script. That's the challenge, but isn't it? That self-discipline and, and motivation if you yeah. don't have deadlines. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mm. I mean, this is the thing with this record. I had to kind of not force myself, but I, I deliberately didn't like sign a deal or anything before I was done. Mm. Like I really wanted to have the time to get it right and do what I wanted yeah. to do with it instead of having to compromise. So, and it's been a really nice experience that way, but also I, I hear what you're saying. I do also like, like I thrive under pressure. I think I'm like kind of, a lot of my motivation is fear-based. I think yeah, it's the kind of thing of like, oh shit, <laughs> I need to get this done, you know? Um, but yeah, I feel um, you. And before, when I reached out to you to connect, you sort of said, you know, I told you sort of the background as to why I do this podcast. And you said yeah. that a lot of the songs were quite, introspective and we started talking a little bit about anxiety and so what are 
you know, you said wearing your heart on your sleeve. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the content and and has that been cathartic for you sure. to express? Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. It's this kind of limbo before stuff comes out. So I'm kind of um, <laughs> not anxious, but it is, it is a scary thing to like kind of take all these things that live inside you and kind of put them on a platter for people to judge and just go, here you go, you know. But um, I think... For me, it was important. It's so funny because in retrospect, it's so it's so apt together with the year we've had and so mm. on and so forth to talk about those kind of things. But I think these were things that were, you know, troubling or, or not necessarily troubling me, but that I was dealing with for, yeah. for a while, for a long time, you know. And the thing that always surprises me is how it comes back with a vengeance sometimes. You always think you've got it figured out and then there's a new thing that happens and Something it doesn't get easier you. as you get yeah. older, right? It's this kind of thing. So yeah. um, I don't know, maybe I can talk about like the first single that comes out, it's, it's yeah. called Open Your Eyes. And that's kind of a song really about stress and anxiety and, and issues with self-worth and that kind of thing. And, but, more so than that, it's also about this kind of culture where I came across this term recently, toxic positivity. Maybe I'm late to that party kind of thing, but there's I so feel many like there's phrases. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of there's there's a lot of this this kind of culture, I think, where with social media and everything, we all kind of wear our brave faces and we kind of pretend like, oh, I'm doing yoga and I'm, you know, yeah. crushing my job and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I think it, that kind of just replaced kind of the stiff upper lip thing that our parents used to do or whatever. And, and a lot of people are outwardly wearing this mask that everything's fine, but it isn't. And I think it's kind of, it's quite unhealthy and dangerous to pretend like in a time like COVID, like, oh yeah, it's great. I'm doing home office and I can do all this stuff and I can eat healthy and I can do my yoga. And yeah, great. But at the same time, let's not pretend like yeah. everything's okay because it's not. And I think we're in this really unique position where anywhere you go on this planet right now, I don't know, maybe there's some indigenous people who don't know about COVID, you know what I mean? But anywhere you go on this planet, people are having a hard time. It's a really yeah. unifying thing so i think for me that the the overall message of this album is that is 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 a you're not alone in this you can talk about it if you're a guy you can talk about it you know it's okay and it's okay to like their strength and vulnerability i think this is the thing i've been discovering for myself i think is that i used to pretend to be macho and strong and all these kind of things and I used to think that's how you have to be that's how I had to be with my wife that's how I had to be with my bandmates and all these and all the rest and and I found that the moment I allowed myself to be vulnerable with myself and and with other people so much better things came back my way you know what I mean so I feel yeah. like that's a that's a positive I'm quite new to the toxic positivity uh, terminology as well but there's mm -hmm. a great lady and reference called the holistic psychologist and she she's just got a book coming out and it, it sort of debunks that she does great posts I find it really I, I will oh. link her down the bottom for people because I think she's amazing good at it. and it it's it's addressing that you know like it's okay to grieve because through grieving we then heal and it's okay to make a mistake mm. and not everything's going okay because we learn from our mistakes so I think we can't just um you know, hit fast forward and, and scoot over all the the emotions that we're feeling. We are human. We have to feel the spectrum. And I think, yeah, like you said, that just that just builds up and builds up, and that's that's not ideal either. But is anxiety something that you 
would say that you have experienced for a lot of your life or when did you first become aware maybe of anxiety? I think in hindsight, it has been with me for all my life. But I think for a lot of my life, I didn't know what it was. You mm. know, I think I come from a very anxious family. And this is just like a, a dynamic that was always around that I wasn't, I wasn't aware that that wasn't something everybody, I, I thought that's how everybody was, as you are when you grow up. You yeah. know? I mean, my big thing was like in my mid 20s, I think I was 25, 26 or something, I started having panic attacks. Like I was in a car in a traffic jam in London and my heart was going 200, you know, my heart was going bam, bam, bam. Yeah. And as you, th as you do, when it happens the first time you think, I'm oh my God, it's a heart attack. I'm yeah, dying. Totally. I pulled over to some gas station and I called an ambulance and then, you know, it was that kind of thing. And, and that was, you know, and the, the first time, you know, the first year that happened, what you then tend to do is you go into kind of avoidance mode, right? You kind of go into, okay, if stress does this to me, I'm going to avoid all things stressful. But that's also not like you can't live your life like that. Yeah, you can't exactly. just live on the sofa. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. and, and so I think for me, the challenge was what would happen is I would, uh, you know, I would be a recluse for a while. I would get better. I would go back out into the world. And when things were fine, I was fine. But when things started hitting the fan or things got complicated or stressful emotionally or at work or whatever, um, then this thing would return. And I always thought I had it under control, but my, I think what I used to do, the, the mistake I used to do is that things that helped me deal with it, like meditation and journaling and reflection and all these kind of things, um, I would do them when I was struggling with it. But then when I was fine, you I would, I stopped, I'd slack off. Yeah. And then I'd be surprised why it came back and hit me in the nuts, you know? Yeah. So now I kind of, I think the way I manage it a lot better and I'm I think managing is the word because you don't heal this kind of stuff like you that's yeah. a predisposition and I'm going to deal with it all my life in some way shape or form but I think I have a better lid on it now because I'm more disciplined with my self-care you know yeah. so as a musician and a performer who is on stage you know you just talked about journaling but those things aren't necessarily practical when you're about to jump on stage in front of, you know, thousands of people and start <laughs> yeah. playing. Did you ever get, well, you know, I guess it was called stage fright and now we sort of more broadly call yeah. it performance anxiety. How mm -hmm. did that, how did that manifest? And was that something you had to look at and tackle or had it subsided kind of in that aspect of your life? It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? I, I tell, I'll tell you, a quick story I always tell this to the kids like once or twice a year I go into my old high school and I kind of do a talk about about alternative paths in life and like you don't have to go and get a job and all this kind of stuff and I always tell these kids it's scarier for me to come and do like public speaking to 15 kids than it is to go and play in front of 40,000 people and I think I think maybe it was just the fact that it's kind of a learning curve and you get used to that and you don't start with big audiences. You start with small audiences and build your way up. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think a lot of musicians can probably relate to the fact that having some form of anxiety or, or arousal, you know, in a neurobiological sense before going on stage is a good thing is a healthy thing. It means you mm. care. And then, but the moment you go on stage and you're in it, 
that turns into a really positive energy. It's it's just energy. It's excitement. You know, it's that whole the, the, the thing I tell my wife, which is that, you know, just remember that nervousness and excitement is it's the same chemical cocktail, essentially. It's how yeah, you frame so the whole true. thing, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. And um, which I don't you. know where I got that from. It's not oh. a me thing. It's a definitely some BS. I I read. Um, but you know what I mean? It's it's mm. so I think. And absolutely, that stuff doesn't go away. I still now, I mean, with this new project and stuff, yeah, of course, I feel, I still have this imposter thing. I still think they're all yeah. going to find out that I'm rubbish. You know what yeah. I mean? And there's always going to be people who like it and people who don't. And that's okay. And on a cognitive level, I know that. But yeah. emotions are a different story. You know that. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. And mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people who are musicians or perhaps are, you know, uh, during COVID, so many people took up playing instrument, which is great. You know, I always think it's good yeah. to learn new skills and develop that. But Absolutely. I've always wanted to ask a guitar player, like someone obviously who plays mm -hmm. very complicated riffs, what happens if you ever stuff that up? Like, and if you've got, like, do you just keep kind of going or do you, because I'm, I think with my artistic things, I'm quite a perfectionist and I, I would then like afterwards, like, internalize and beat myself up over it like oh my god I did this and blah, blah, blah. Mm. I'm just always wondering because you're going so fast I mean most people would never know unless you probably were like a, yeah. a a very high you know like another guitarist that's of the same equivalent level but did does that like when you sort of make a mistake what do you do do you just kind of keep going how does that Absolutely. I mean, this is this is the whole trick, kids. Listen up. Um, I love it. <laughs> I think, Inside I information. No, I think I think it's something that kind of naturally happens when you play in live bands for a long time because you can't just stop. Like when you <laughs> screw something up, you have to. You have to continue. Yeah. And I think that's a big. Like people ask me, you know, students will ask me, what do I need to practice in my bedroom so that I can go out mm. on stage and play great and it's like no 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 no. if you want to be good on stage go and do 200 shows like that's how you there is no shortcut you know that's what you have to do to get good at that and um yeah i i think i think that's a big kind of hurdle like psychologically speaking to get over this whole you know if you do a little mistake you know we tend to go oh fuck you know and we kind of yeah. freeze and and that's it's a weird it's you know and that's i think part of the excitement, the adrenaline rush that you get in a live band situation is exactly this, is the fact that anything could go wrong at any time. And does. You're in, this, you're in this roller coaster ride and you don't know if it's gonna go well or not. You know, it's yeah. that kind of thing. And and yeah. that that's dangerous. And that's what's exciting to the audience, I think, as well. Well, it really so, teaches you how to be yeah. adaptable and flexible. Absolutely, like, think, absolutely. Because I'm you pretty know. sure, I don't know whether it was you or, I mean, I've seen so many concerts and so many things. I think the biggest thing I've seen is pyrotechnics going awry. Going yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Especially when I, people... I, I had close calls as well. I know what did, you mean. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you're like, oh, did someone's hair just get cinched? Or like them not going off and them going off like delayed. Yeah. And then it's like this whole yeah. other dimension of... Um, yeah. Hell, but I I'm just people... I have this picture in my head now of Ace Freely like at the mic with his yeah. hair burning do you remember this and like Rody's coming with the towels he's such a pro man he's, he probably didn't even know he's all like no. just saw, added to the so whole much vibe. product so much product in that hair and, and I <laughs> sorry think, go on no I love it I love those stories I think I think it's important yeah. for people to suit you know that everyone's human we all make mistakes and absolutely I do think it's a kind of a reverse anxiety thing too. Like if you're performing, like you just said, you know, you get nervous talking in front of people, but then when you're on stage, I guess, does it help knowing that people 
are there to mm. see to see you perform it's a different type of energy like a they're there to yeah. embrace and enjoy for the most part obviously this know. is it i think it's i think it's how you frame that i think you need mm. to remember that people aren't there with their arms crossed going waiting for you to make a mistake then that so they can go right. <laughs> he didn't do it exactly like the record yeah. no they want they're on your side they want you to do well mm. and then if you screw up a little bit you have a laugh and they have a laugh and you move on like that's yeah. you we're all human we're all in this together they kind of you know i always compare it to like you know kids and and their superheroes like their superheroes have failings as well but they want ultimately they're on Superman's side and they want Superman to succeed in the end even if it's a massive struggle to get wherever he's going or whatever and I think it's this kind of the same with with you know people in bands or celebrities in general that that people admire they kind of look up to these people and go and go I want like I want this person to be what I think they are so I want them to succeed you know I want them to yeah. to prove me right so I want them to to what's the word I'm looking for, you know, to affirm my, my life, you know, decisions or to affirm the way I feel about the world morality wise, or, you know, I'm yeah. losing my thread now, but oh, you I know what I'm trying to say. I get it. Yeah. I was wondering, do you have any advice for people who might get nervous before, like with that whole performance anxiety and stage fright, are there any tips and tricks that you have used that other people could perhaps draw on or what's worked for you? I think that's an interesting one. I, I kind of, unfortunately, I don't like have a routine that mm. I could share with people or something. I think it's, you know, if you're in a band situation, I think it's very important that you, that you support each other in, in, a, in an emotional sense before and after the show as well, like that it's a positive environment to be in, that you know you're in this together. I think that's a bit, a big part of, of, why people like being in bands as well because it's like it's you're a gang you're brothers and sisters and and you you're doing this thing together you're achieving together and i think having that support left and right of you is a massive part of that but generally speaking i think breathing exercises have been amazing for a lot of people and i suppose if i was in a really bad way uh with stage fright or something i would i would probably go you know inward and I would calm myself down you know in terms of neurobiology in you know with with things like uh, breathing exercises and certain patterns of thinking that I, I make sure that my mind doesn't run away kind of that's a thing that happens with anxiety isn't it that you kind of think about all the the worst case scenarios yeah. all the things that could go wrong and that you just kind of you know in 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 meditation terminology that you let those thoughts like you don't try to fight them, but you let them pass. If you make, if that makes sense, you kind yeah. of, you allow them, but then you go, okay, I've thought, I've thought that thought, I've thunk yeah. that thought <laughs> and I can let it go now and yeah. find ways to just calm your mind, like to just empty your mind and, like, and go back to some sort of equilibrium, right? Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, it was just, um, when you said that, it just reminds me too, like where I think it's Eckhart Tolle talks about not identifying well, so many people who, who practice that type of line of work say to not yeah. identify with the thought because, you know, anxiety is you're living yeah. in the, the future all the time rather than yeah, being absolutely. in the present moment, which oh, I'm so guilty of. And just, mm. I was like, I think I've spent a lot of my life living in a, a future version of myself rather than yeah. just like, well, yeah. hang on, there's nothing really dire or drastic happening in this right moment. Like 
I'm okay, mm. I'm safe, mm. I can breathe or whatever. And I kind of do a check-in with myself now, like a little check-in, like, do you have everything cool. you need? Is there something else you could ask for to like, th- that could help you calm down? So mm. I think going inward and breathing mm. is, is really important too. Mm. Maybe a more fun question. And I love mm-hmm. asking people this because it's selfish in a way, because I want to add to my music collection, but what are you listening <laughs> to at the moment? What am I listening to at the moment? That's a really interesting one. I think I'm kind of in an interesting time right now where I'm so used to working on records, either as a producer or as, as a musician, that I have to listen to certain things to prepare myself for. Um, so a lot of times I'm, I'm listening to stuff in my spare time to prepare for like a work thing. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, it's not one of those times. Like I have... I'm recording another album at the moment that's been written last year. I've already recorded my thing. So I'm kind of in this place where I think I'm rediscovering a lot of bands from my youth that I haven't really had the time to indulge in in a long time. <laughs> so I'm getting right back around to, band, you know, to, to <laughs> Nevermore and Arch Enemy and, and bands Enemy. like that. And, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. my kind of, you know, kind of melodic death metal bands from my youth, like solo work and In Flames and things like this. Oh, In Flames, but that's, oh my Lord. I, got, I gotta be in the right mood. I gotta be in like a hyped mood, like say if I'm driving in the car or something, then I can really get into that stuff. If I wanna chill out, yeah. I'm more of a, a guy that, you know, anything with guitar in kind of automatically switches kind of the work brain on. Yeah. So if I wanna switch off, I tend to listen to stuff that's kind of, very different to that you know be it classical music or be it world music or that kind of stuff that I can really just switch off to because I don't know how it's done you know I mean I could if I wanted to like try and figure it out or you know but but just to be able to just dive in and feel rather than think about it is is comfort I never thought about that but as like a a lead guitarist that must be, I was just thinking then, like, yeah, I never think about that. I enjoy it when it comes on. We were talking before about our yeah, particular yeah. taste and stuff. I really like that 80s. There's, like, particular, it must have been particular effects, pedals and things like Richie Sambora. Maybe. And I just, I don't know, I've got a weird thing about that that sound. But mm. is it hard for you not to, like you just said, to tune in and listen and work out what they're doing and then you think, oh, like, are you getting ideas from sometimes when you're listening to it or do you just oh absolutely you kind of go oh you love that what is that you know I gotta nick that yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. take that little bit there rework that yeah just like I want to know what that is you know and so often it's you find yourself like always gravitating towards a certain sound and you kind of go you kind of go you you do this round robin where you figure out what that thing was that you thought was so really cool and you realize that's the thing that you do all the time anyway you know it's like oh yeah it's already part of my sound this is why I like this you know but sometimes you find something new you know I mean like I've been you know there was a time I was getting really into like Mongolian music like there used to be really? a weird story there's a I love it kind I love of weird a, stories. a medieval themed Christmas market in my hometown not obviously yeah. now during COVID but yeah. and they used to have like this stage and they used to have this like Mongolian four piece that would play like every day and I used to love going and watching these guys because it's basically it's basically maiden right it's it's all galloping horse music but it's but it's the old-fashioned way right it's not amps and guitars and stuff but it's like these amazing you know, square stringed instruments yeah. without the frets. And they, and what I love about it is that it's kind of, it emulates natural sounds, right? Mm. That's what it's meant to do. It's meant to invoke something that isn't inspired by other music, but it's inspired by 
the world. It's inspired by nature or, or, or humanity. And I think that's something that gets lost so easily in music these days, where you kind of have to step away and think not like a musician, but like what would someone who has no idea about how this is done, what do they, what makes them feel something? What would yeah. help them express their own emotion or feel the thing that they can't express verbally, you know? Because I think that's why a lot of us get into yeah. doing music in the first place or being creative in a larger sense is to exactly. express something that we don't really have the tools or the, or the environment to do, you know, yeah. in a family sense or, or, or larger cultural, socio, you know? Yeah. Sense. I think just as like a, a, a music appreciator and lover of music, I've over the time, I'm like, what are the two instruments that really speak to me? Like if I, I always say to people, I think if my heart could like have a sound, like I love piano as well, which really confuses cool. people because they look at my like extreme heavy death metal collection. Mm -hmm. But then I love like, you know, the piano soundtracks, one of my favorite or a lot of composers for a lot of like cool. HBO TV shows. I really enjoy yeah, like yeah. Clint Mansell, like off Requiem for a Dream. Fantastic. Stuff. I, yeah. And I, but I, I like those two so much, but then... That's an interesting one. Sorry, go yeah. on. No, no, I love it. I, because yeah. I... No, I, th I think it's yeah. so interesting that you... Because piano, again, surprises me because you say, you know, the thing about guitar is, and lead guitar especially, I think it's very, it's very vocal. Like, it's mm. like... It's like it's like singing, but singing mm. in an in an alien language. Like yeah. it's you can't follow the words; you just follow the, the melody and the feeling. So typically, people who like lead guitar like saxophone or something yeah. else that's very vocal. So for you to say, I also like piano very much, it's mm. kind of a contrast, and that's but that's mm. cool. Like there's nothing, yeah. you know, that's a good when thing. When I <laughs> and when I started to because I was so bad at maths at school, I got kicked out mm -hmm. of maths, and then I had to do like art and then I was so bad at art that I ended up doing music but I did play guitar which I showed you my my little old trusty guitar yeah, there but and I can I can muck around on most instruments but what I found really <clears throat> really confusing excuse me during piano was like you just said I wanted to play like the guitar melody and not the it, the mm. vocals or the chords I found that really confusing I just wanted to play what oh, I don't know I just found that really hard and then uh, to break it all down into different like chords and diff I just that didn't make any sense to me so yeah it's like yeah. that intermediate level and just be like I'd have to be a lead guitarist obviously if I That's ever became the thing, isn't it I mean yeah. I I I admire piano players because they can be so expressive on an instrument that for me as a guitar player I'm biased doesn't lend itself to be expressive like the thing on guitar is you can kind of you can bend the notes and you can like mm. do all these crazy sounds and you can you can be Seven expressive strings. in that in that <laughs> vocal kind of way yeah you, yeah you can kind of make it sing and i don't know if you can make a piano sing but you listen yeah. to someone amazing play rachmaninoff or whatever and and, and yeah. it moves yeah exactly and it's but it's all just touch it's all just dynamics and the tempo and how loud and quiet it gets yeah. and how soft and how hard they hit and it's amazing it's a very different form of being expressive I yeah think, you know. I'm going to be such a, a geek now I might have to edit out my geekiness but I've That's always found it interesting it. with guitarists that I like and I would love to ask you about some of the influences that you have I kind of find mm -hmm. them a package deal so I look at or not even guitarists that I like but you know you look at someone like Eddie Van Halen it's like their personality and how they play the instrument to it's like a whole moving oh, piece to me like and then some of mm. my other favorite metal guitarists like I love Mike from Darkest Hour it's like with yeah. the flying V guitar but also his personality and style I feel like it's a real interesting coupling of the instrument and the the person yeah I, like and 
yeah, yeah I, I don't know I just I enjoy the psychology of like how people it kind of becomes like an extension of them I think if they're I think it does absolutely I I, I find that really interesting as well because I think there are definite archetypes that tend towards certain instruments yeah. and you can tell when an instrument suits someone and doesn't like the way yeah. I always generalize the whole thing is that if you're if you're kind of if you're an introvert and not very egocentric you know if you're quite a withdrawn person these these people tend to play bass and then if you're an extrovert but you're not very egocentric you tend to play drums and then if you're an extrovert and you're very egotistical, you tend to be the singer. Mm-hmm. And then guitar players are the type of people who are introverts, but very egotistical. Yeah. Like we're megalomaniacs, but very insecure at the same time. Yeah. You know, I Such think that's the type of people. Yeah, it's that's the, I, it's not, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> Stereo. <laughs> but that's, I think that's what happens to people. I think, I think, yeah. it's perspective. I think people who, who are, who get into lead guitar, um, and they kind of, I think when they're young, they feel like they have something to prove and like yeah. they, they, they really thrive on excelling at that thing. And, and I mean, I don't know, for me, for me, it was in a hindsight, I think it's very meditative as well. It's just something yeah. to do with your hands, something repetitive to do with your hands yeah. that calms the mind, which is mm. why I probably took to it so well when I was young and just obsessively did it for hours and hours a day because it would calm the chatter or whatever you know and then you reap the fruits kind of later on yeah I used to hate Um, sitting next to all the drummers in class they're the ones with the nervous twitching and the nervous tapping all the time and you'd be like oh my god please just yeah exactly exactly (laughs) it's that energy isn't it it has to go somewhere like always get up and go and and this is it and and if you're like that then drums are perfect you know it's that kind of thing I never I never excelled at drums. It's just a brain thing. I can't do four things at once. <laughs> oh I just I like you said, we just like to enjoy those aspects. Yeah, so, so yeah absolutely. Some of the guitarists then, like whether now or past, that you enjoy mm-hmm. or you think have influenced. I mean, I could answer that question, but I would prefer you. To- <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because I, I find like the way that always goes is you start with the guitar players that are kind of hip or in or current when you are a certain age where you're very impressionable, like in your teens. Um, And for me, those, you know, in my teens were people like Jeff Loomis, people like the Amat brothers in Arch Enemy, but you know, people like Gus G, um, Paul Gilbert, you know. Um, But then I was also into classic stuff. So I was also into Hammett and the guy, you know, Dave Murray and Maiden and this kind of stuff. And, but what you then tend to do is you kind of, you go and you dig a little deeper and you kind of go, who, who, these guys that I like, who do they like? Yeah. And then you go a generation back and I found, you know, okay, oh, these guys that I like, they all like this cat called Ingrid Malmsteen and they all like this Michael Schenker dude and they all like, you know, and then you go and listen to these guys and go, where did they get it from? And they get it from, it usually goes back to either Jimmy Page or yeah. Richie Blackmore. And I'm definitely a Richie Blackmore school kind of guy. You know, you yeah. get the, you know, Lewis, the other guitar player in Monument, he's very much that Jimmy Page school, which is the, you have yeah. a Les Paul on and you wear it down by your knees and you're yeah. cool. And you know what I mean? And we're, and the Strat people, the, the, the Richie yeah. Blackmore people are the slightly eccentric nerdy types you know the the, the socially awkward ones yeah. um so yeah in that sense I mean I, I don't know who I'm forgetting because there's so many 
What about now? Any, so, any more you know, modern guitarists, like in other metal bands that you're maybe yeah. surrounded by that, or ones that you just enjoy their style? Because you've played with so many bands, I guess. Like it, it would be hard not to absorb just from the process of osmosis, I yeah, think, of being yeah. at a concert, their energy or their skills. And you might be like, and sometimes yeah. when you see a band live, like I love um, the Cure live, and I think that Reeves. Yeah, is yeah, one I remember of the, you mentioning. Yeah, I think Reeves is like one of the best. I just and live just blew me away and that's not someone I ever thought I was like oh you know you don't see that name branded across like guitar magazine or whatever necessarily but I just yeah. loved it I think it's, it's a funny one isn't it yeah I I, I um, this is a good time to do a shout out to to Darker Half who are an Australian band and I, I always loved what those boys did because they're very this is kind of very much what I'm into as well it's very heavy but like you know, powerful, clean singing and that kind of stuff. And they do amazing lead guitar work. Um, but for me, I think I struggle with kind of the the newer generation of guitar players because everything is so technical, but I've, I miss a bit of the feel to it. Mm. So I tend to now gravitate more to, uh, towards people, you probably wouldn't know them, like people like Eric Steckel or there's this Norwegian chick called, uh, called Tora, who's, a, who's sort of a blues player but th these are very expressive players you know they can they can really speak to me with their instrument um in terms of i mean i think what what jason richardson does is fantastic but it's just it's just not something that makes me feel a yeah. lot but i don't know if anything can this is the thing you know when you so i don't think you know you, when you're when you're 15 and you hear those records that that influence you so much for the first time I don't it's like you know the first hit of a drug or whatever it's I don't think yeah. anything ever gets as close emotionally and you chase that thing all the time and I think ultimately when we make music we chase that feeling all the time as well um I I tend to not follow that world so yeah. much anymore because I've it's wanted, because like you know I guess go on Mm -hmm. No, I just, I'm just curious. I'm just thinking out loud as I do my musings about guitarists, but I always wonder whether it would be detrimental sometimes to do that because it's like, well, my work is my own. It's like that dangerous element of comparison yeah. too. And precisely, this is, this yeah. is the point. It's like, it's like, you know, if you're kind of, I don't know, a pretty girl modeling on Instagram and all you do is look at other pretty girls and comparing yourself. Mm. It's like, I don't have to, like when I go on Instagram or whatever, which isn't very often these days, because I try not to participate so much anymore in, in because I, I, I have an addictive personality and I know I can get sucked into those Ooh. kind of things easily. Right. Um, what I tend to, you know, follow is my friends. When my friends put out a video, I support mm. them. And a lot of them are guitar players and, you know, people like Nick Sampson, who's, who's Depth for Monument and has his own thing and, and yeah. so on and so forth. But, um, but yeah, I don't follow because the thing with guitar playing is it's become such a such a sport everybody has to be faster and and more this and more that and and the the initial point of playing an instrument which is to convey feelings kind of gets lost along the way a bit i think and i don't participate in the race anymore do you know what i mean like i yeah. used to when i was 18 and it was like but i don't have to be the fastest or the best no. or the this or the that i just have to be me yeah authentically unapologetically me the best way that i can so yeah. i don't it's exactly what you say i don't distract myself by doing yeah. this whole comparison thing all the time because i just get down about it then you yeah. know so then what yeah. do you think about or like, cause effects pedals and everything's come just such a long way. What do you feel yeah. about 
that and the technology enhancing like guitar or just music in general are you a fan do you like to experiment around with it or do you still just like one trusty amp and just (laughs) (laughs) i mean i am very old school and i do the whole one trusty amp thing just because (laughs) it's it's comfort zone kind of style stuff for me and i know it works and i know i i like to tinker with stuff and get my own sound a lot i i I love everything that digital has brought. And I think they're amazing tools. I think the thing we just need to be careful as, of is, is how we use them, how we implement them. I think it's so easy for like a kid in his bedroom with his laptop to just go and download a bunch of sounds and sound exactly like Jeff Loomis, exactly like, you know, Jens Bogren's tones or what, you know, everybody's got a, a pack out at the moment, a plug in out or whatever. And that's amazing. But I think what gets lost is that is that journey that, that, you know, in the olden days, quote unquote, people used to have to go on to find their own sound. And it's, yeah, it's become very easy to like make a competitive record, so to speak, because you have all these tools at your disposal. So what I like to encourage people to do is to go, yes, use all that stuff, like make your life easy. It's fantastic that we have digital now and we don't have to cut tape with scissors, but, but, use it to your advantage in a way that you know find what works for you find something that speaks to you personally and that has nothing to do with what's what's in right now you know I mean in the in the beginning we all copy certain things of other artists and stuff like that but I think as much as I struggle with him as a person I think Phil Anselmo said something really wise in an interview a, a lot of years ago, which was someone asked him, why is there, why are new bands not as good these days? And he kind of went, um, when we were growing up, we had 20 favorite bands and we would mash them all up into one new thing. And these days people have two or three favorite bands and they try to mash that up into one favorite thing. And and it tends to be derivative then, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a big thing as well, is you're allowed to take all those influences, all those things that you like. Yeah. And, try and incorporate them into what you're doing you know which is I think what I do as well like with production or with guitar or whatever there's no like you know I mean obviously Monument is very is very much in one certain um you know vein of of history but other things that I do I, I I have a lot more variety of stuff that I can throw in and I love doing yeah. that you know kind of having surprising things coming out of the speakers you know what are your thoughts on bands that seemingly rise to stardom very quickly? So, especially in the metal scene. So, if you had two bands that sort of started out, you know, going along the same path, and then it seems like, and that's my keyword there, it seems like all of a sudden one is just huge. What's the recipe for that? What do you think is happening there? Think, I think there is definitely no such thing as just going whoosh you know most overnight successes yeah. take 10 years and this is the <laughs> thing that people don't see but yeah. that's because that's curated and maybe that's starts yeah, to answer okay. the question that that I think 99% of us focus on only the music and forget about everything else and yeah. and and kind of a lot of people I know you know, that I used to play with or that are in the industry fall down that hole of, I'm not there yet with my career. So what I need to do is make the music better and make the music better and make the music better. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times that's not what the issue is. I think a lot of things, a lot of stars need to align. A lot of things need to come together for it to work to the point where you can get it to to that stage. And I think 
a lot of that is is the business side of things is the stage show is image is all this kind of stuff you know um and it surprises me sometimes even to to hear to hear people who are like really in you know who are in the industry for 30 40 years going going it amazes me how people you know how do you get from playing clubs to playing these huge stages with the pyro and the big stage set and stuff and and i kind of go it's because you put in the work like this is literally it yeah. it's like you have to you've done you, your 10, luck, you make your own luck you know it's like you yeah. want to have you know they go oh i wonder i wonder how they did that well i tell you what they went they drew it on a piece of paper and then they went and did it you know yeah. it's kind of like you have to build that stuff and and i think especially these days where there's not that much money in music i think it's incredibly rare to get a combination of guys who are not only great mm. as musicians together chemistry wise and and sound wise and everything and all great performers but who all have a unique set of skills you know um that adds to the pot of what this band is you know you can have a guy that's an amazing videographer and then you have a guy who's amazing at artwork and a guy who's very good at concept yeah. and yada 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 and if you have all these things i think it's incredibly hard when you're when you're in a position where it's like you know which is the thing that i chose to do right do your own thing so yeah, yeah. i have to do i have to do Everything. all those things and it's just a lot of work and i think you just have to have to be realistic enough to know that it's a lot of work and then be willing enough to do the work yeah and that's all it is and you have to be be willing to do that for 10 years and make sacrifices for 10 years and stay the course like that's how that is done and then of course there's shortcuts with people who like i i don't know the guys in bring me the horizon for yeah, example yeah. but yeah. um I, you know people who make it very young i yeah. don't know take that billy eilish girl you yeah know, yeah they don't come from you know, my parents are both not musicians. My parents are you know, like, yeah. nobody in my family is in the entertainment industry, you know? Yeah. But these, but people like that, their parents were both in Hollywood, you know? So that's why they have the network yeah. and, and just the, the, the resources to be yeah, able, yeah. to be able to, to have their 17 year old daughter win a Grammy, you know, because that all, it yeah. takes a certain push, you know? And it's then being realistic with yourself as well of being like, what position am I in? What are my cards? Like you can only play the cards that you're dealt, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's going, am I willing, you know, from where I am right now, am I willing to put in the work to get to where I want to be? Because if the answer is no, you might as well go, you know, and say, okay, I'm going to do this for fun and I'll go and do something else or whatever. But yeah. I, th I think that's the big, you know, the big yeah. myth, mystery bust, myth bust. I love it. I, love it. I, <laughs> I think it's that. just about, this is it. It's about work <laughs> and it's about, it's just about commitment and staying, you know, and, and I think a lot of it is authenticity as well. Maybe yeah. to round this whole thing off is, is I had this, I had an interview last night with a, with a good friend who's a journalist over here about the album. And I think the kind of the big synopsis we came to, the big conclusion was that it's like people can tell when you're not being honest. Yeah, people I say that tell. all the time. You yeah. Can tell when you're seeing a shit, when then, when you, I have seen a few bands that I love and you, you know, you later find out they're going through these huge disjointed rifts within the band. I just think, great. Yeah. I've just wasted like 80 bucks to come out and see you. And you guys were just couldn't care less. Like you can yeah. really tell. Yeah. And that's so disappointing because yeah. live music is one of the last remaining things that I, I really enjoy. Yeah. Cause you get music everywhere. You can stream, yeah. you can do everything now. So seeing it exactly. live to me is, I'm like, that's where I get. Oh, I miss it so much. Man. Yeah. I miss it so much. Yeah.
it's so corny to say, isn't it? But that's literally the point when you listen to, to Dave Kroll preach about these kind of things and you think, oh, that's so cheesy. And he can say that because he sold a million. Because it's Dave Kroll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but, but it's true it's, when, he says, right. yeah. when he says the only thing you can do is do your thing, is be authentically yourself because everything else is kind of doomed to fail anyway. Yes, you can go, oh, I'm going to write this. I'm going to use this formula and write these kind of songs that are going to be perfect for the 14 year old whatevers. Yeah. And yeah, but, <laughs> but even if, you know, if that, if that leads to success, it's going to be a very short lived success and mm. it's not going to make you happy on any sort of spiritual, emotional level. So yeah. you might as well go and do the thing that you want to do. Cause you yeah. never know, it might work out just as well. And a lot of the times I find like people who do that, that it might take longer for them to get to the place that they want to be, but yeah. then it's sustainable and then they're happy. And then yeah. their fans are happy as well, because it's kind of, it's a, it's a positive, it's a positive world to live in. You yeah. know, it's good. It's, it's you, being a good example. You know, yeah, you, definitely, you definitely don't want to be doing the people pleasing thing where you think, and I think a lot of musicians can or any yeah. artist or creative person, you fall into that trap, like you just said of, thinking about what yeah. other people, the market or whoever, or, you know, wants mm -hmm. to do it or what, the, or what the TV networks are looking for. It's like, yeah, but there's a million crime shows or, or whatever, you know. It's yeah. Like, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? And, and that's the thing. I think that's something we all learn once we start like getting signed to record labels and stuff yeah. like that. Maybe with people in TV as well. And when you get the script. The fact that you, yeah. Yeah. You need to remember that the people who run these companies aren't necessarily musicians and, and, if they're fans, great, but a lot of the time they're just business people. And what yep. business people do is they look at what's current, they look at what's working and they go, do this. Yep. And they hand it to you and they, you know, or of your back catalog, they know what did the best. Mm. And they go, we want more of this please. And there's a big rift between that and between what art really is. And I'm not oh, saying yeah. you need to ignore all the aspects of, you know, I don't think I could do what Devin does where he kind oh, of goes, and, and goes on complete tangents and goes, I'm going to do this ambient record, fuck y'all, you know, um, which yeah, I know that's not the attitude, but he's yeah. kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I, I, I'm kind of in a more, you know, I don't want to say pop place, but you know what I mean? I just like yeah. good songs. I like songs with choruses and this kind of yeah, stuff. And that's, that's how I, yeah. yeah, exactly. Sing along kind of stuff, but yeah, sorry. I've just lost my thread a little bit, but, but the, I think that the main point is, is what you just what we just kind of already surmised, yeah. isn't it? Is that is that it's you, you need to not listen to to all these outside influences, yeah. whether they're from people who are close to you or whether they're from the record company that goes, make this thing, you know. I think and I think this is this has been a, a big problem with the industry for a long time, for always, I think, is that what used to happen is that you know, record companies would just take chances when there was a lot of money in music, they would take chances on a band and say, do your own thing and let's see what happens. And mm. if it goes well, great. And if not, see you later, you know, yeah. and that's fine, you know, and, and I think that doesn't get done a lot anymore. Um, and that's why you, you kind of, it takes long for people to get there because you have to, if you want to do that thing and, and take risks and do something new, you cut it, you have to do it by yourself until you can prove that it works. And then people yeah. go, oh, okay, this is working. Let's get on board with this type of thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Before you mentioned that you had a tendency to have an addictive personality. <laughs> yeah. And I was wondering, how did you identify that? Through what 
I think I should clarify, like, I don't, I never, I was never like a substance guy. I used to smoke and I used to have a really hard time giving up smoking, yeah. which used to baffle me so much because it wasn't about, I didn't smoke a lot and it wasn't about the physical addiction. It was some sort of mental bridge that I had built because I think I started smoking for the wrong reasons. I started smoking because I was sad and I started yeah. smoking because I was stressed and then I could not smoke for six months and then something shit would happen. I would feel terrible and my brain would go, you know what you want. You want fags. Yeah. Sorry, which is the English word for cigarettes. Yes, yes. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, because oh, good. I got you. Uh, um, yes. Cigarettes, cigarettes. Everyone. cigarettes. Um, yeah. So it's weird. And, and I think, but for me more so, I think when I say I have an addictive personality, it's more to do with indulgence in things like technology it's it's more to do with like the fact that i i don't game a lot anymore because i know that when i start a game you don't mm. see me for two weeks yeah correct. like i just dive in and it takes over my life mm. i can't do that thing that people do where they're like wednesdays vintage gaming night and i just do it on wednesday nights two hours i and so sometimes i allow myself you know what i mean i kind of yeah. it's a little reward or whatever yeah but if I'm not careful, and it's the same thing with social media, which is why I was speaking about that. And to be honest, I have been quite bad since Christmas. I have been indulging more. And it's gotten to a point again where I'm doing that thing where I'm like, my phone needs to live somewhere else for a yeah. while. You know, I, I, I instinctively go there too often with my hand without noticing. And and you know what happens? It's just it's little it's you scroll and it's little dopamine okay. hits. Yeah. And and but you, but you know in the long term that it's detrimental and yeah. that you kind of, when you don't have that, that you crave it and yada yada. So I'm trying to get to a place, I, mm. you know, I think COVID 2020 was a big year for introspection and for kind of me personally to just find stillness as well, yeah. you know, with everything kind of slowing down. Yeah. And you, you kind observing. of tend to realise, yeah, and I think this is what happened to a lot of people in the industry and you see people like, you know, Marco Hietala leaving Nightwish and, and a lot of people yes. kind of, rethinking their lives yeah, well, I know I me too but this, is, kind of, but, but but this is what happens and I don't even want to say about Alexi and I don't want to say no. what a year off the road did to him you know what I mean but but I think a lot of people are so busy and they're so in that world that they never that it's always been all this hype and buzz around them they never had the chance to slow ooh, down and, and go inward and figure out who yeah. they really are without all the bells and whistles exactly. and this is a big thing for me I think was like who am I without that identification playing bloodstock every year or whatever yep. it is yeah without all these and all the hype and all the people and yada yada I think it, it has brought up some really disconcerting things and I think you know I mentioned to you that's why I started this podcast that if you haven't kind of maybe done some work on yourself or you haven't sat still or you haven't addressed some core emotional wounding, mm. it kind of highlighted to me how people were quite ill-equipped maybe to deal yeah. with them and that perhaps, you know, especially for the musicians and the artists, and I've spoken to so many now, to hear them, so it's, like, it's kind of like they had to rehabilitate themselves in, a, in a way because... Yeah. If that's your livelihood, I can't. I guess it's sort of just drilled into me the the need to have variety to my life, because if one thing, you know, like if you if you lose one aspect of your life, having a life that's rich and full with variety helps my mental, you know, my depression things. Because 
and you've got like yeah. this big chunk I guess it's the same as like relationships if you give everything to someone and you kind of lose yourself right then yeah exactly. when they disappear again you're like oh my whole self-worth was so attached to that so yeah and and I, fi- I found that really I think that could be like a real core problem here with a lot of like we've been talking a lot about mm-hmm. men especially in a bit of the suicide crisis here in Australia I think yeah absolutely. do we not have the tools to kind of create different life I don't know I just it's something that I've really been pondering I'm like are we so reliant on social media or are we so reliant on Hmm. distracting ourselves and I always think what's the balance between distracting yourself versus having a life yeah yeah I think there's something to be said isn't there about escapism and distracting yourself but we definitely have turned into a culture that's all just consume and distract and that kind of stuff and that's I think what was I going to say because you said something really interesting earlier I, I think the thing that I see is is this kind of dichotomy in art in general but especially in heavy metal where we we romanticize pain you know we oh, romanticize yeah. the struggle and I think you, you get I a suffer. lot of these kids who yeah, yeah exactly you get suffering. a lot of kids that like glorify yeah. a lot of these nihilistic things and they read the sad and you know what I mean they read Lovecraft or whatever and, <laughs> and, yeah and 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 this is kind of and it fuels this kind of this this idea that to be a good artist you need all this pain in your life that you, have you can to then suffer express. for your art yeah you have to suffer for your art exactly and people think that if they go and fix themselves too much they're scared that that will go away mm. they're scared that Oh my, you know, it's that thing of like, you know, D. Snyder said something like this once where he was like, we didn't know what to write about. It was like, we were like, you know, 30 year old dudes sitting yeah. around a pool in LA trying to write about the streets, you know, and how tough yeah. life is and all this kind of, and it's, and that's true. And I think that's kind of, it's okay as well. Like you don't have to pretend to be 18 for your whole life. You can write about other things. And I think that's, you know, that that's a big part of this culture. I think we need to be careful to 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 recognize how dangerous certain types of types of nihilism are and mm. and that if we indulge in them that we indulge in them in doses that we don't let it run away with ourselves and our lives, you know. Yeah. I'm all this for is, like educating yeah. and knowing a bit of everything and I love, you know, like I'll go down every dark path. I'm curious about everything. I think that's good, but I think there is that yeah. that balance and I think a really good person if anyone's listening who of someone I mean I always joke you know like oh you like them when they're fucked up mm. and skinny and on drugs and they go through rehab yeah, and their music yeah. Shit. Yeah. but Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails there's someone who you know like tried to like kill themselves as fucked up and then came back and their music because I was like it's not gonna be the downward spiral but it, it they go on to create a different style they yeah. evolve and they do soundtracks yeah. and so for them as a person yeah. they kind of I feel like they get more rounded. Yeah. It's not like just one. And I think that's a, like that's a positive message as well. I mean, for me, it's like it's people like Slash and that people who kind oh. of cleaned up, you yeah. know. Because I, it's weird, isn't it? Because for me, as a nerdy nerd, a, a guitar <laughs> nerd, I I didn't like I didn't get into music for girls and booze like a lot of people did. I got into music because of music, yeah. and I think maybe in a, in a way that saved my life along the way as well. Because you're always surrounded by that stuff. But did you love you know, it? Come on, just tell me. Did you just did you secretly just be like, "Fuck, this is awesome"? Just once, twice. I, Honestly, when I was, I felt like I was living the life when I was young and all that, of course. But yeah. honestly, it gets to a point where when you're running a band, life is so busy. Yeah. 
yeah. you can't afford to be fucked up if you need to be yeah. if if ex festival manager needs to be able to reach you at 10 p.m at night you can't afford to be drunk your career is going down the drain if you do that and i think this is the big thing now that that yeah. that thing we glorify a lot of people still glorify that kind of 80s rock yeah. and roll image and, and don't realize that those people all they did was do music and the reason they were so fucked up is because certain people who had certain interests to do with these bands wanted them to be dependent in some way you yeah, know? A and a lot aspect. of the times it was such a crazy schedule that you needed certain amphetamines to just even stay on top of it and i get yeah. that but the yeah. thing is these days if if you if you want to be a successful musician um you can't just go and play the guitar and think that everything else is going to be done for you so if you're just going to go and get fucked up all the time it's not going to happen for you that's the yeah. that's the simple truth you got to you got to get your shit together and you got to do all the other work around it as well you got yeah. to do you got to be your own manager you got to do your own marketing you know and doing that when you're messed up all the time is just very difficult. I and don't know I, how people, maybe some people manage it, but yeah, I, I definitely don't. I mean, so yeah, <laughs> I indulge every so often these days, but I'm say, not, I've never been a big, yeah. I've never been a big drinker or anything yeah. like that. I've always kind of known where my limit is. Like I'm not the kind of guy who yeah. I can't, I can't remember. Maybe there's once or twice in my life that I don't remember a night because yeah. I've had too much to drink, but usually I know when to stop. You know? Yeah. I'm really lucky that I yeah. just, just don't like it like you know I drank a lot in my Fair own enough. teens Good. and 20s I think yeah. I drank I worked at Disney World for a long time and I drank and drank and drank and thought mm, I'm yeah. done now I think I've done my quota yeah. but I was wondering if you could indulge me and I know that people Absolutely. want to know this question but when you are in a band and we we're talking about dopamine hits right so before we had phones mm -hmm. well when I was finishing high school I guess we started to get like those mm -hmm. old Nokia phones what about you know, you just talked about the substance things, but what about the dopamine hits, you know, from quote unquote groupies? I mean, I don't even know if they exist anymore, but like the, the hit from like, okay, so you're a male, but let's just say from female, like attention, does that, there must also get, come a point where you kind of like, I, I can see why people would get addicted to that type of obviously ad, adoration. Yeah. They say that girls, booze, sex, rock and roll. And you just think mm. that must get to a point where you're like, I'm just like someone stable in a relationship. <laughs> yeah monogamy think, maybe <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I've, i'm a serial monogamist i'm married and all this kind of stuff but yeah um of course i enjoyed it like in the early days i you know i, I think the big thing with you know like I, like we mentioned earlier the kind of the egocentric introverts that are guitar players <laughs> they yeah. i think we really enjoy that external validation as well but it gets to a point where you feel where you feel dirty in a way that I feel like you feel like you're prostituting yourself in, yeah. in, a, in a certain sense because you know even like myself I'm not you know someone who I would consider like a sex symbol or whatever like other people in rock and roll are. I'm in heavy metal and I'm just a normal looking dude you know but even even still you get a lot of that type of attention and maybe from from a certain demographic of women as well. They put a guitar in that, someone's hand, it does do something. I'm not yeah, that, yeah, and it it's kind yeah. of, and it feels a little, it feels a little sleazy at times, you know? Yeah. And you kind of, you play along because it's part of the game and you you know, you're gonna be friendly to these people. Of course. Um, because, you know, and, and I'm not saying I don't want to be friendly to these people. I do want to be friendly to these people, but without any sort of sexual tension yeah. type stuff going on, you know what I mean? And And, 
Um, and absolutely, I mean, for me, the reason I, I really like being with my wife is because it is one stable, safe thing in a crazy world with a crazy schedule in my yeah. life. You never know where that's going to go type of thing. So absolutely, I like the whole safe haven thing of a, yeah. of a, of a relationship. It's really and, nice and, to hear too, a musician. Yeah, started. absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah. again, you get a lot of these guys that they party their whole life, if you know what I mean. And, and then one day, they wake up, yeah. one day they wake up and they're 45 and they're like, I've, and, and I think, I never tindered or anything like that, but I feel like that's probably what people feel <laughs> like. As a verb, we've tindered. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, is that not a, do you not say that? But you know I what I mean? Like, yeah, I think I know, that I kind of, that, 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 that casual dating promiscuity culture that like I has been around it. for a long time. I think people, I think people don't feel fulfilled. I think they, they feel, feel like they're filling a void and it just yeah. never gets... I filled do. and they're just lonely and yeah. it was never for me you know okay. I tried yeah. like I was never good at it you know what I mean like I tried the whole yeah. casual thing me and, I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't know how it just felt every part of my every fiber of my being found yeah. it I yeah. think yeah can I loop back around to a thing that yeah just popped into my mind because we were talking about addiction and you were talking about stage fright earlier I think That's a my big, yeah. and get and getting back down to uh you know, to, to things that happened with Alexi and so on and so forth. Yeah. I think, I think the big, the big, I don't want to say mistake, but the, uh, the trouble that some, a lot of musicians get into is the fact that they, when they have stage fright before they go on stage, because they're insecure introverts, but egomaniacs like myself, you know, <laughs> they yeah. then have a drink before they go on stage to calm the nerves. And then they have two drinks before they yeah. go on stage to calm the nerves. And, and you hear a lot of these stories. I know Jeff Loomis just spoke about it recently on a podcast um, about how scary it is to, to be faced with that where you're like, I am dependent on this thing and, and how scary it is to give that up and then have to go on stage sober. And I think that's why a lot of musicians have problems with alcohol is because it becomes something that they rely on to regulate their internal nervous system you know their reactions to certain stimuli before going on stage and that kind of thing and I suppose I'm lucky enough that I never I was always too serious about my music I never wanted yeah. to go on stage drunk I was always like that's unfair to the fans I should be my best self out there would you play drunk um, I think that would be so cool I don't know this is the thing and or stoned like I don't know how oh, people Lord. like no. I get how like maybe if you play some some really chilled out form of trip-hop or, or reggae or whatever yeah, that, that but works not a guitar, but not a lead guitar but with if like, you're trying to play heavy metal like yeah I think it's kick. that thing isn't it yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how maybe you feel like it's amazing in the moment because you have a different like a heightened perception for it but when you hear it back I think you're like I've never enjoyed like seeing, always disappointed. <laughs> yeah, like very yeah. obvious lead singers who are off yeah. their face, and you're like, you, I, they can't even. It's not in tune. Mm. They're not keeping up with the. Yeah, the it's a shame, like, isn't it? It's not very. This is, and I also think professional these days. I mean, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I think it's disrespectful to everyone, the fans, the rest of the band. Mm. I, I mean, I mean, it's that thing, isn't it? I don't know if I ever would have said, you know if Lemmy had asked me, I don't know if I ever would have said, you know what, I think you need to quit the whole Jack and Coke thing or, or yeah. speed or whatever it was that he used to do for so many years. You know, there's certain types of personas that kind of grew out of that, isn't it? Um, but I think that's something that gets romanticized a lot as well is the fact that to write great music you need, and it's, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to deny that 
great music was written on acid or on weed yeah. or whatever but it's kind oh. of it's that's a thing in and of itself like but that doesn't have to be the thing that yeah. you want to do necessarily you I mean know? I always yeah. argue with people like where do you think DMT came from that's like a brain chemical that can be achieved via very particular breathing states that they try to replicate yeah in drugs. oh interesting yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. I'm like you could achieve that state if you haven't tried don't like you can do it I just always think my brain is um crazy enough without any of that stuff and I'm I'm too worried yeah. about what would happen yeah. and then, and the very few yeah. times I have done drugs, I've just been like, oh, I'm obviously that anxious attachment kind of paranoid person. That's the thing, isn't it? it just yeah, I think. I'm like, yeah. I'm then become even more heightened in those, all my bad shadowy aspects come out to play and I become even more paranoid or. Yeah. I, I, just yeah. Like, I guess. I think yeah. this is the thing, isn't it? Get, looping back around to anxiety, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like I, when I was, when I had my super anxious times in my 20s, I kind of quit everything, even coffee, like, because I didn't like oh, yeah. anything that made Don't me it. feel like I wasn't in control. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of your body and your, and your nervous system rebelling against all this constant distraction and this constant input, you know, the constant yeah. noise from the outside that isn't letting you deal with. And it just kind of says, stop, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I yeah, observed, this. I just giggled before too, when we were talking about, but like, I've never been one of those types of people who can buy a packet of crisps or chips and like, you know, they put like, they have like 10 and then they put the peg on it. Yeah. I'm like, no, if I buy, I don't have any junk food in the house for that reason. And manifest yeah. in all yeah. different ways, like eating or yeah. whatever it is. And I just know that too. Yeah. Like, I'm just yeah. like. It's funny. There. I think with, with eating, with eating, I'm exactly the same as I was with cigarettes. And it's like, mm -hmm. I do have chocolate in the house, let's say. And I'm quite good at not eating the whole the book at once <laughs> yeah. yeah but i have but every night after i finish work or whatever i go and i have my one or two pieces of chocolate yeah. and it's kind of this little reward thing that is you know becomes habitual yeah. and at some point you go i can't do without this and it's like that's how cigarettes were for me back in the day where like you don't know when it snuck back in and all of a sudden you're there having two cigarettes a night again and yeah and with i think with me this is the thing i struggle with like post christmas because like you know you indulge over Ooh, christmas yeah. and then and then getting weaned off that afterwards it's always really hard for me like i get why people do the lent thing and go okay cut that right now like let's not until easter you know i, I always it. have to be careful because i <laughs> yeah. always say i'm addicted to coke but i mean coca-cola like full strength Coca -Cola. yeah okay like, no no, yeah, no not yeah. coke as in coke coke i'm like yeah just sugar i mean um, honestly for me that's the big one to kick still is sugar oh, like yeah. I can't imagine, and I've, I honestly, I have friends like the videographer who's just doing my video for Open Open Your Eyes. Him, yeah. he and his girlfriend, they're both vegan and that kind of stuff. And they did this thing where they were like, post Christmas, they were like, "We've had way too much sugar. We're going to do a couple of months without refined sugar." And I was like, "Oh my god, how how how's that going? How are you feeling?" And he's like, Wait. "I'm sleeping so much better." He says to me, and I'm like, "That's so amazing. I thought you would just be like." zonked for weeks i would like if i went off sugar right now i, I would have i would think i'm um, i'd have no energy you know but he yeah, says honestly yeah. i sleep better i'm more regulated and so i'm kind of going but so what do you get so when you release the album like are you hoping to tour and like do some gigs because is i know that it's very different over there but like here we're start we're having concerts and like i know Doyle from Misfits has like got a solo gig like in a couple of weeks like okay cool yeah so yeah. there are, and I'm like do I but another then, vegan yeah but then there's that whole thing of like because it's just a you know they're playing and I'm like oh do I just go because it's a concert I'm like do you really want to see you've seen Misfits you've said do you really 
really want to see it, but it's that scarcity principle of like you haven't seen anything for so long. You think you should go and yeah. see anything and everything. Yeah. But my first proper yeah. gig's not till July. So okay. do you think that you will be able to do some type of launch or are you hoping to, like, how are you going to get it out and about? Touring? Yeah, this is the big one, isn't it? I mean, I, I decided last year already, I was like, I'm not going to do what everybody else is and put off this release because of COVID. I think people need new music. I think I want, I'm anxious to get it out there. I want people to hear it. And I think people are going to stream it and listen to it anyway. Um, plus the thing is, it's not exactly, it's not a band where I put together a complete live lineup already yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's me and a drummer and we kind of did everything together, the two of us. So I have been offered tours um, like in September of this year and things like this, but I've said no, and here's why, because I feel like everybody in the industry is playing that game. Everybody's, you know, doing this hopeful thing and going, we need to stay active and we need to book stuff and it's going to come back and stuff. And then they get disappointed again and again. And I just felt like my, my intuition, which I'm trying to get better at reading, my intuition kind of said, hold off on this, be patient, see what happens. Because if I put all my eggs in that basket and I lose a ton of money on it I won't be able to do stuff afterwards that might have been really cool so I'm like mm -hmm. if the right opportunity comes along I'll definitely play this stuff live I don't know how you know in which capacity yet because it's kind of there's a lot of guests on the album and and you know kind of like with the first Slash album where he had different yeah. singers on every album and that kind of thing and then kind of this lineup with Miles Kennedy kind of crystallized itself and it was that that's kind of how I wanted to, this to go you know yeah. um and I moved to you know I moved countries last year and it was kind of a big mess that way and 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 there hasn't exactly been a lot of networking opportunities since no. Yeah. about a year ago because everything's closed down so just practically speaking it's been kind of tricky but I, I think once the, the album is out and, and people start talking about it and I start talking about it um, it will be much easier to get people involved and, and yeah. go and do something. I have another band thing coming up that I can't yeah. talk about yet unfortunately oh. but uh, because which is getting announced later on this year yeah, okay. and stuff, but it's kind of an, an all-starry kind of thing. So I'm really yeah. psyched about that. Awesome. But I'm also like keep like keeping my schedule a bit clear for that as well. Because yeah. if I go out and do live stuff, I can see myself doing it more with that because it's a full lineup and so yeah. on and so forth. It gives people um, though, like a little yeah. bit of like it's nice to have like oh like just to know there's something in yeah. the in the pipeline yeah. or on the horizon to look forward this to. Is it. I don't know. It's that thing again with this album. You know, uh, the, the way I said I kind of wanted. I didn't want to make all those decisions prior to even having done the thing, like as, with the music, but as well with the whole process. I was like, why does it have to be either or? Like, why does it have to be yeah. either you make a whole band and it's these guys and if somebody leaves, it's an issue. And yeah. I was like, why don't we just make it a more of a collective thing? Like it can be a yeah. more fluid. It can be more organic. Why does it have to, why does everything have to be labeled just because some executive at the office says yeah. that's what people expect. I don't care what people expect. You know what I mean? It's not that I don't care how they feel about it. Of course I do, but it's like, you have a lot of, there's so much other stuff you can do. And it's the same with this live thing. Like, honestly, I, I don't know yet if I go out live and do this, I don't know if I'm going to be singing and playing guitar yeah. or if I'm going to just Probably. be playing guitar and get another Who singer thinks? in. 
two things at once. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I know this is it because I could go, I could go and do that. Although I didn't sing all the numbers on the album, I could go yeah. and sing yeah. other people's numbers, or I could get a singer in to do some with, numbers, and I do, yeah. and I do some numbers. I could get a singer in who also plays guitar, like Miles yeah. Kennedy does. Yeah, um, and we do it that way. I, I don't know yet, and I, and I like that I don't know. Yeah, that's I fine. like that it's open. You know, I, so, I love bands. So two yeah. of my favorite bands are Nine Inch Nails and A Perfect Circle, and like Tool and. A perfect circle. Yeah. They rotate their musicians quite often, and then they've been in exactly. Pumpkins, and then James Ehar joins, and then they leave, and then like he kind of has yeah. different incarnations. I don't think there are any rules, and yeah. it takes that this is it. away. Yeah, yeah, and and it can and it then has this freedom to evolve as yeah. well. Like, I don't know what the next Lost Sanctuary is going to sound like. You know, you will that's done. exciting. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. And I don't know when it's going to come and all these kind of things. And I don't have to force it, yeah. you know. When I just want to finish yeah. up on something that I think sure. as a topic I love. And you just mentioned that you were trying to tune into your intuition a little bit more. Yeah. What does that, what is your definition of intuition and like how, how do you get a sense of it? So what are you doing at the moment when you say you try to tune into it? What does that look like? I, I think a lot of I think a lot of it is this basic thing of when you know I don't know who I'm quoting now because again it's not one of my things but you know when you have a feeling about something that you're like oh I don't know I don't think I should do this and you go counter to your intuition like just kind of do the research like see how often that goes well you know yeah. like how often have you felt a certain way about something and you've gone counter, you've, you've done, you haven't listened to your intuition and you've done the other thing and then regretted it later on. And chances are it's happened quite often. And then do the counter experiment, right? Kind of go, how often have you listened to your intuition and gone, actually, my gut says, don't do this. Like how often have you done that and then regretted it afterwards? Because I think a lot of the times, you know, whether it's, objectively the right decision or not it has to feel right to you mm. whatever it is in life yeah. you know and I think that that's kind of the basis of it when I, I try to you know when you say what do you do as a practice I think the practice is just to be to be open to it and to listen inwardly you know see feelingly and uh, <laughs> and and just be aware, first of all, when that stuff comes up, when you feel uncomfortable about something or when something is gnawing at you kind of at the back of your head or something, mm -hmm. go, what did, you know, be inquisitive, like in a positive yeah. way. What is What's that? Where does that come from? And like I have that with, like I had this with work last year because because kind of all my gigs all of a sudden fell away. I started teaching again and I haven't talked for a long time and it was outside of my comfort zone. And I and after a few months, I kind of realized that I was really struggling with it. So I kind of had to sit down and go, am I like, am I sabotaging this because I'm outside of my comfort zone and I just want to get rid of this and I'm looking and I'm making up reasons yeah. to quit this? Or is it really something that is a toll that is taking a toll on me and that is not good for me in some way or another? And And if you can tune in and then be honest with yourself and say, you know, actually, I think a lot of people like this is what they struggle with. They kind of they they leave a job and then they feel shit because 
they feel like oh maybe that was the wrong decision or whatever and because they don't they have to justify it to themselves you know because for a lot of people just feeling like it was the wrong thing to do isn't justification enough they need some tangible justification right and Mm. just learning to 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 like if if your feeling says that that's the wrong thing to do and then to stop it is that's reason enough you know for me anyway I think that's that's a good way to look at it Thank you so much. I hope that sharing. answers your question. No, Sorry, I love this it. is again, I go on these tangents. I love it. And thank you so yeah. much for sharing everything that you have. And I'm really looking forward to, to your solo stuff and to, your, to what thank comes you. out and seeing. Thank you. I think we're all just, I'm just craving music at the moment because I'm just like. Yeah, I think we all are. Right? Looping on my yeah. old stuff, which is fine because I love it. And obviously it, it, I never stop listening to it, but it would be nice to have something new in the mix. That's for sure. this is it it's going to be a brave new world let's see if we all remember how to do it this is the thing isn't it when we go back out i think this is a lot of that is going to bubble up this whole you know your topic about performance anxiety and stuff is going to bubble up with a lot of people who have not been on the road now for two years and before that that's all they knew and now it's like oh my god i need to get back into that how do i get relearning again yeah a new set of challenges for that yeah exactly but thank you thank you so much Yeah, as well for, for for having me it's it's a pleasure to be part of this it's yeah. it's it's been really nice talking to you i know i don't have as much experience you know as as other people do in terms have of any. <laughs> you know the whole therapy side of things and that that's still something yeah. i need to explore and, and but if i could contribute in some sort of positive way shape or form, then then that was worth it you know yeah, so i'm really, really so happy too. that we did this yeah thank I'm you really glad